the teams you care about. Well, the Patriots have some soul searching to do, and they've got a long off season now to figure out the answers. The stories that matter to you. Well, UVM certainly put Stony Brook and the rest of the conference on notice with that performance. And now this is the team we wanted to see out of the Catamounts. This is your home for New England sports. All right, football's over. Let's get the lockout over, too. Let's get to baseball. I need the Red Sox back. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back in on this snowy Thursday night right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. As was very predictable tonight with the weather, high school basketball has been postponed for the night, so we are on for a full 90 minutes. Hope that all of you are safe out there now, and then wherever you are going through the rest of the night, hope that you are safe. We'll take you right up until 7 o'clock. We'll catch up with ESPN MLB Insider Buster Only. We'll do that at 545. We'll get into some more news and notes on the NFL and their hiring practices. And uh, we've got some news in baseball, none of it good. So, we'll again, we'll talk with Buster at 545. Very, very excited to announce we are on Facebook Live. We tried it out a little bit on Tuesday, but we are in it for the duration. So if you want to watch the show or watch me in the studio, WDEV on Facebook, you can watch our live stream there. So we'll be doing that every single night moving forward as long as, uh, as hey, we've ironed out all the kinks. Steven, our tech guy, has been doing a great job working on this project. So we've ironed it all out and believe we are up and running. So you can get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. That's 802 585 3026. That's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. And if you do watch on Facebook Live, you can also get in your comments there. Everybody, let go. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber. They are Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. Locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. So the UVM men's basketball team rolled NJIT last night. Catamounts win this game by 20-plus points. They're now 9-0 inside conference play. We're going to get to them and their performance later in the show. But I actually want to start today with what is the big news out of the America East Conference as a whole. Stony Brook, effective immediately, has been barred from America, from America East tournament play in all sports. Effective immediately. Stony Brook women's basketball, done. Stony Brook men's basketball, done. They can finish out the regular season. They cannot participate in conference tournaments. And the same goes for Stony Brook spring sports. And the reason why is this. Stony Brook announced last week they are leaving the America East Conference at the end of the year. So as a result, the schools have banded together, and as they're allowed to do per the bylaws, which we'll get into in a second, they have said that effective now, Stony Brook teams cannot participate in the NCAA tournament. This is their, or in the America East tournament. This is their punishment for leaving the conference. So Stony Brook women's hoops is 18-2 and two right now. They have wins over... St. John's in Rutgers. They can't earn the automatic qualifier. They can't go to the conference tournament. Stony Brook women's lacrosse is exceptionally good. Stony Brook men's basketball, the preseason number one, 
has no chance now to earn an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. And before I give my opinion and before we take your texts and get emotional and reactive, I do want to get the facts out there. There is an America East bylaw that says if you announce that you're leaving the conference, the league can meet and vote and then decide to make you ineligible for league playoffs whenever they feel like it. So if tomorrow a school said, we're leaving the conference in five years, the league could let them play for three years and then ban them from the playoffs for the last two. They could let them play for four and ban them for the last one, whatever they want. Well, Stony Brook's leaving at the end of this year, and the schools banded together and said, no, 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 you're out now. You're not playing in the conference playoffs effective immediately. So that's the story. Stony Brook knew the rules and decided to leave anyways. So there are definitely people out there that feel like they got what's coming to them. They they knew what was going to happen, and they did it anyways. I don't feel bad for them. I do feel bad for them. I believe that Stony Brook should be allowed to compete in conference tournament play this season. I know the rules are rules, and I know that Stony Brook knew the risk. But at the end of the day, the student athletes are the ones who are suffering, and they don't deserve it. And that's who I feel bad for, and that's who I want to protect. So much of the NCAA is about money. So much of the NCAA is about power. So much is about control. And so much of the NCAA is about business. But at its core, the NCAA, especially, especially at the lowest levels of Division I, like the America East is, it should be about the kids. And in this case, the kids, the student-athletes, they're the ones being punished, and I don't agree with it. UVM men and women's basketball will have an easier time getting to the NCAA tournament, getting automatic bids. This benefits Catamount Country, and I don't care. I don't care. This is not right. I feel very, very bad for these Stony Brook student-athletes. I feel as if they've been wronged, and I wish that that wrong would be righted. Again, the rules may be the rules. There is a bylaw. I get it. Everything that's happened here is legal. That does not make it right. The student-athletes shouldn't have to pay the price. They didn't choose to move conferences. They didn't enroll in the university knowing that conference realignment was on the table. This is student-athletes paying for adults' decisions, and that's not fair. And it's especially not fair now. This group of student-athletes has already lost so much because of the pandemic. They don't deserve to lose anymore. The Stony Brook women's basketball team in 2019-20 was 28-3. and 28-3. And they lost out on their conference championship game and a chance to the NCAA tournament. They had another chance to get there this year. And they've now had that taken from them too. In what world is that right? In what world is that fair? These athletes in all these sports around the country, they've already lost so much. We don't need to punish them again. We don't need to take more from them. I want Vermont to beat Stony Brook 
in an NCAA tournament. I want Stony Brook's season to, or, or in an America East tournament. I want Stony Brook's season to end at the hands of UVM. But I want Stony Brook to have an opportunity to play in the game. And right now, they don't have that opportunity because it's been taken from them. I get it. You're upset they're leaving. I've told you the conference gets worse without them. You don't want them representing you. You want to punish them. I get all of that. But don't punish the players. The Stony Brook women's basketball team, who's 18-2, and two, they didn't ask to go to the CAA. They didn't ask to have their conference title game canceled two years ago. The Stony Brook women's lacrosse team, they're going to play a whole season now, and they're going to know that they have no chance to earn an automatic qualifier because their league won't let them in. That's not right. That's not fair. Tom Kohler is a former Major League Baseball pitcher, pitched mainly for the Marlins, had a couple of good years for, for Miami, if I'm remembering everything correctly. He played at Stony Brook. He spoke out yesterday on social media about this. Just another example how the NCAA and these conferences don't care about the kids. It's an absolute trash decision. You know, this, the spring athletes at Stony Brook have dealt with enough the last, um, you know, two and a half years with COVID canceling their season two years ago. Uh, the baseball team in particular had, you know, a pretty wild ending to the season. Now they're going to take the opportunity to compete for a championship away from them. This situation's not right. This situation is not right. I want UVM players to go to the NCAA tournament, but not like this. Not at the expense of innocent Stony Brook student-athletes who didn't choose to be a part of this situation. Stony Brook has said they're going to fight this legally. I don't know what grounds they have to fight this because the, the league has the power to do this. It's in the league bylaws. So I don't know if Stony Brook can win, but you know what? I hope they do. I hope they have a chance, a chance to go to the NCAA tournament in various sports. How would you like to go into a season as a Stony Brook baseball player, as a lacrosse player, and go into a season knowing you have no shot? You're going to play 65 games as a college baseball player this spring, and you have no chance to do something special. That would be incredibly hard. And you know what? It was about eight years ago, but Stony Brook got to the College World Series. They got to the College World Series in Omaha. So they had the potential. Like These teams have the potential to do something special, and it's been taken from them. Why? Because of adults' decisions. They've already lost so much because of the pandemic. They've already missed out on non-conference schedules, on NCAA tournament appearances. They've already had things taken from them. They don't deserve to have more taken from them. We've got texts on the Napa-Morrisville-Napa-Waterbury text line. Nick and Shelburne, why does it matter if they're leaving and do other conferences do this? I, I mean, I think that this is done because if there wasn't some punishment... Teams could just move out of leagues willy-nilly with little notice and no repercussion. I do believe it's done to protect leagues and to dissuade teams from leaving, especially on short notice. So I think that's what this is about. And I can even understand that, but I can't understand it in this particular case. Again, COVID has brought out so many 
unique circumstances. And we've made so many concessions and adjustments for COVID-related things. This should be one that we make also. And to the second part of your question, th this does happen in other places. I mean, this is not an exclusive to America East problem. The CAA, which Stony Brook is about to join, they just banned James Madison from conference tournament play this year too because they're leaving. So it happens multiple places, and I'd say the exact same thing, that it's not right. The, the adults make the decision. The adults make the decision generally based on money, and the current student-athletes, they're the ones that they're the ones that suffer. And I don't want to see them suffer. Suffer. We got a bunch of people on Facebook Live who are watching right now. Appreciate all of you. We've got uh, Larry who says that Stony Brook is a good team. They've always given UNH trouble on the men's side, and Larry is listening to us from Key, uh, from Dalton, New Hampshire. So very, very cool. Appreciate everybody who's watching on Facebook Live, everybody who's commenting on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. Taylor and Williston, do you have a better suggestion of what the conference could have decided? Yeah, I do, actually. I think I've got the perfect answer. Stony Brook gets to play, but any money that they make from an NCAA tournament bid or win, they don't get. The conference does. And it gets disseminated among the remaining teams. I, I think that that should be the case. I'll use, I'll use basketball as the example here. Let's just say the Stony Brook women's team makes the tournament. They get money, or the league gets money, based on them making the tournament. And then the league spits up, splits up that money among all the members. Stony Brook doesn't get a share. And then if Stony Brook wins a game, the league gets more money. Great. Stony Brook doesn't get its share. That should be it. That's a, that is good for everybody here. The America East remaining teams, they get more money. That's a win for them. The league doesn't have to give Stony Brook a dime, and Stony Brook current players still get to play. That's the answer. That's how this should be done. But instead we have decided to punish the innocent student-athletes, and they don't deserve it. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. So uh, thanks for everybody. We've got uh, Corinne on the Facebook page. This is strange to be watching what's happening in the WDEV studio. Mixed feelings about it. So uh, I shared it on my Berlin, Vermont page. I'm assuming there are mixed feelings why can't radio just be radio because corinne it's 2022 and we work really hard and we want our shows to get heard by everybody some people are at work right now some people are at home some people don't have radios in their home and some people are driving in their car and we're here to keep you company wherever you are that's the goal right we work really hard we want our shows heard our listeners love to listen and we want to be where, where they are that's the answer so Buster Olney, ESPN MLB Insider. He's with us next on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show here on this Thursday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. 
Buster.com. So, got to be upfront about this. Earlier today, I spoke with Buster Olney of ESPN. We had to tape in advance today, and we taped before some of the most recent bad news has come out about the Major League Baseball situation. Here's what we've got. Major League Baseball has said they're not going to make a counteroffer to the players right now, so we're stuck in neutral even more than we already were. And they're looking at a trying to get a federal mediator in here to figure things out with the players because they can't come to a resolution on their own. So you won't hear Buster and I talk about that specific detail, those specific details that have come out. We caught up a little bit before those details came out, but you'll get the gist of it with what Buster has to say. So I started out by saying, Buster, it's a snowy Thursday. How are you? I'm doing great, although I'm jealous to hear about the forecast of snow up there. I heard the skiing is absolutely spectacular and I'm hoping to be up in your area sometime in a couple of weeks. Oh, well, we're, we'd be glad to have you. It sounds like you won't be covering spring training in the next couple of weeks, so you'll have some time to come on up. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm already like thinking, okay, what am I going to do in late March? Excuse me, or in uh, late February, early March? Because it sure as heck doesn't look like I'm going to be down in spring training anytime soon. You know, let's kind of talk about the timing on some things here. So yesterday we had on Tom Karen, the Red Sox pre and post game show host for uh, at my, over at Nesson, and he said that he thinks the latest we could get a deal done and still play a full 162 is March 1st. But in order for that to actually be attainable, wouldn't you like have to have, you know, you, you, you sign the deal on March 1st and everybody's at spring training on March 4th. There's no time for free agency. It's this whole big cluster. Like what exactly would happen if you got a deal done at a time like that and tried to just rush everything together quickly? Yeah, and I agree with your premise, which is why, you know, the next couple of weeks, as they continue to have these conversations, you're hoping to hear about progress, uh, about significant progress on some of the, the major economic issues. To date, there really hasn't been any. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, there's so much that would have to happen if we get a deal done in late February, early March, in order to start the season on time. Because it's, it's not like, you know, if, if they agreed to a deal, for example, on March 1st, uh, it's not like players are all going to be in camp the next day. They would have to set a report date. Uh, the players, um, uh, you know, who uh, get overseas visas, they would all have to be taken care of. Uh, they would have to, you know, get everybody hopefully in a position where they're actually going to be healthy. When I had Rich Hill, the Red Sox pitcher on the podcast last week, he talked about that, about the question of, you know, how ready, you know, guys would be able to be with a shortened spring training. And you and I haven't even spoken about the hundreds of players who are probably going to change hands when it comes to you know signing from free agency or perhaps being traded after a deal happens and that's all going to happen within three weeks we could be seeing anywhere from 10 to 15 transactions a day right after the gun goes off after they agree to a deal and do you need to to build in time for covid testing or covid intake we haven't even talked about that but i'm picturing what no. we would okay we wouldn't need to do that this year no i no you're right i, I mean what you your premise is right that it's a it's another layer of complication that they would all have to work through um you know i do think that by the end of last season you know baseball had a you know vast majority of players who were vaccinated and i'm assuming a lot of them have gotten boosters as well uh, but that's all. That's all. Uh, you know, another you know, conversation about uh, complications. Yeah, you know, I remember talking with a general manager during the summer of 2020, when you know we in the media were speculating upon some deals that might happen, some trades that might happen, 
And a general manager said to me, what are you kidding? I'm, li- I'm like the COVID governor of our organization because that's what the focus was on all day, trying to put in those protocols. So that's more that they would have to do. You know, Buster, talk to me a little bit about the schedule and the format of the schedule. I know in 95, after the strike, they came back and they played 144 games. Like, that seems like a number that would be easy to kind of reformat the schedule to. But are there benchmark like benchmarks like that that, you know, the league's, okay, we need to, you know, uh, we can play 130 games, but we can't play 133. Like, how did the schedule factor into this? I don't think it would be much of a factor at all. Uh, you know, in 1981 is... Uh, you know, great precedent for that. Uh, you know, the players went on on strike. They resumed the season. At the end of the regular season, there was a wide variance of how many games teams played in the regular season. I think it went from like 102 to 109. Wow. <laughs> like there was a gap. And so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, as we saw in 2020, uh, when they played the, the shortened uh, COVID season of 60 games, yeah, you want to get to a round number. Uh, I think the fact that field are have much better drainage than you did years ago gives them chances to actually you know finish the schedule on time but if they got into a situation where uh because of the way the schedule fell and and where teams were and and trying to rush things through and one team played one or two games fewer than other teams i think everybody would understand and they would roll with that it's interesting because there was actually a team that won i can't remember the specifics but there was a team that won the most games in that strike shortened season and yet wasn't put in a position because of the way that they split up the you know the competition that year and there were unfair advantages because of how the schedule played out ESPN MLB Insider Buster only with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I guess, you know, my question also falls along this line. Like if the season is supposed to start on March 31st, but they get to a point where, you know, they've delayed it by five days and they could start it on April 4th. And now all we can get in, you know, it's 157 games. Would they just do that, 157, or would they try to play double headers to get to 162? Would they wait until they could push it to 154 to make it a round number? I, I'm curious about that too. I'm curious about everything. Yeah, uh, they could do that. Uh, they could add a, a, a you know week to the end of the regular season as they did after 9/11, if you remember. Yeah. Um, you know they extended the, that postseason into November for the first time. You could theoretically, uh, you know, do that. You could use neutral sites in the World Series to help with a and League Championship Series to help with the weather's concerns. If you have to take it back into November, I'm assuming that the owners would want, uh, you know, as many games as possible uh, if they're not going to get anything close. But at, at some point, though, I mean, let's face it: if this, you know, the work stoppage goes on through March and we get into April then what you're really looking at from the owner's side is the possibility of a nuclear option where they essentially are going to, because they have the biggest pile of chips, essentially say, you know what? Uh, we don't like the union leadership. We can't make a deal with them. We can't seem to get anything constructive going. And these guys want to, uh, you know, not make a deal. Okay, we'll just sit and wait it out and, and effectively wait for the union to cave. Um, that's the risk that I think the players because I think they're, it's much harder on their end to hold the coalition together than it is just a smaller group of 30 owners who have a lot of money. Um, and I think uh, if, in fact, we get into losing parts of the regular season, I would not at all be surprised to see the owners go to that nuclear option. 
Well, I certainly don't want that to be the case. So uh, Buster only with us here in the Brady Bar. Yeah, 100%. I think everybody's with us here. The one baseball question I did want to ask you was yesterday, I think, you know, you have speculated this for years, but John Heyman is the guy I saw just from yesterday, that the DH is going to be universal next year. That we are pretty much in agreement on. We had wondered for a long time if the Red Sox were going to move on from J.D. Martinez, and now there's this whole group of other teams now that you could potentially move him to. Do you think that that's something that Bloom could explore, or is everything going to be so rushed, you know, as far as free agency, you might be forced to hold on to J.D. because you don't know who you could sign to replace him with? You absolutely could explore it. Um, And if you know Heim, then you know that, you know, his habit from these days with the Rays is to explore everything. And so let's say that, you know, and they pick out a National League team where, you know, that team has offensive issues and maybe there's a reason, a connection within the organization to J.D. Um, and, you know, they probably could get the Red Sox to pay down some of that money that's owed to them, uh, say a third of the money or, you know, half the money. And if you're the Red Sox, you might prefer that. You and I have talked, you know, a couple times about how, they quietly were looking around the middle infield market. Mm-hmm. Well, if they actually do that and those dominoes fall, then what are you going to do with Xander Bogart? You know, you're going to move him to third base. You're going to move him to second base. What are you going to do with Rafael Devers if he comes off third base? Is he potentially a candidate at some point to be a DH? I would think so. Um, you know, they've got the uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, who was so great last year uh, at the end of the season. He could be a DH candidate, although he really improved defensively. And then their best prospect, as you know, is a first baseman. Mm-hmm. So they do have a wealth of DH-type candidates. And so, yeah, I think it would make absolute sense for them to explore a possible deal. Well, Buster, now that I'm sufficiently dejected by the prospects of baseball coming back anytime soon, let's get to something that makes me happier. I was up at 8 o'clock this morning watching Team USA women's hockey against Finland. The Olympics have started, even though the opening ceremonies aren't until tomorrow. Are you a Winter Olympics person? And if so... What's the kind of uh, off-the-beaten-path sport that you like to watch? I'm much more of a Winter Olympics person than I am a Summer Olympics person. I love uh, you know, the skiing events, the cross-country skiing events. I love the bobsledding. That's awesome. The downhill skiing, I can't imagine. You know, when I was 12 years old and really getting into it, you, you'll remember the name Franz Klammer. Mm-hmm. You know, barreling down the hill at the Montreal Olympics uh, with crazy, at crazy speeds. Um, I think that was in Montreal, but it, it was just, uh, it's something that stuck with me. And of course, curling, <laughs> you know, we all, we all like our versions of curling because we can all imagine ourselves being involved in that sport. Well, I, speed skating is where I like to go first. I love speed skating. So that's kind of my off the beaten path sport. And I will end on this buster. The Tom Brady tributes have been out in full force all week. Um, I saw WEEI in Boston say this. I saw Dan Shaughnessy of the Globe echo this, that Tom Brady had the greatest career in team sports history. As I think about baseball, one, George Herman Ruth had a very good uh, team sports history or team sports career. Do you think that Brady is the best, though? I think that he is better than anybody in baseball. Um, you know, part of the reason why I wouldn't pick uh, Babe Ruth to you know phenomenal career is the fact that he competed when baseball was segregated, mm. and you know that would be the disqualifying uh, I think factor in terms of saying he's the best of all time. Uh, Michael Jordan obviously would be in that conversation. I kind of wonder if he if he might be the one guy in team sports that could be over Brady, Wayne Gretzky in hockey. 
Um, yeah, the one thing about Jordan, and I, it's so, you know, coincidentally, it, oh, last weekend I was watching a video on YouTube about Jordan's greatness, and somebody, uh, you know, Bobby Knight said he is the best player, he's the most skilled player, and he's the best athlete, and he, he might be the most competitive person in the sport. That's why I probably would pick Jordan, because he checks each of those boxes. Uh, you know, I don't think Tom Brady would ever say that he was the greatest athlete ever, just in terms of pure athleticism. But, man, he it's a fun conversation. I think uh, Brady, without a doubt, outdoes anybody in baseball history. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB insider. Buster, we, uh, let us know in the next couple of weeks when there's no baseball and you're up here skiing. We'll get lunch or something. That sounds great, Brady. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Buster. Absolutely. Buster only again, that was a talk that we had to have a little bit earlier today, so that was not live, and the news has only gotten worse on the baseball front since I spoke with Buster. Again, federal mediation is being requested um, by Major League Baseball because they don't think they can get a deal done on their own, and, um, yeah, timing just does not look good. Ralph says Yogi Berra had the best team sports career. Uh, somebody on the text line says curling. That's awesome. I have a cur- – I uh, – curling i learned it from i have a curling pin from my great uncle up in canada we got the facebook live crew who's chi- who's chiming in we got the text line crew who's chiming in it's a whole new world for the brady farkas show we will step aside we'll get a national news update from cbs news and then we will come back with more right here on vermont's news station wdev am and fm and wdevradio.com let's back to the brady farkas show on wdev am fm and wdevradio.com Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Reminder, we go up until 7 o'clock. No high school basketball tonight. After us, it is Jazz with George Thomas. Stay safe on those roads out there, everybody, and just enjoy listening to the show. You can also watch the show now live on Facebook Live. We're going to do this every single day here. So from 5.30 until 7, we'll be on right here on the air, streaming online on our app, and you can watch us as well on Facebook Live. And I'm very, very excited about this because and there's a reason why we launched this now. We launched this now because we want to be able to bring you our Radio Row coverage next week. Radio Row at Home, our virtual Radio Row coverage. We booked another huge guest for next week's group of shows. Five days. We're on all five days. Getting you ready for Super Bowl cover, you know, Super Bowl coverage with the Rams and Bengals. But we are also just bringing you the biggest. I'm emptying the Rolodex. I am emptying the Rolodex. There's no other way to to say it. We are bringing on the biggest guests and the best names that we can find next week. Buster Olney is with us every single week, and his interview is already up on the podcast channel on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I I got to tell you, I am, you know, kind of easily gullible. And I tend to fall for things, but I am nervous about what Buster is saying about the baseball season. I think a deal will come together. I think we will have baseball. I think we're going to have a lot of baseball. But when Buster starts talking about the nuclear option of missing an entire season, that worries me. Because baseball can't afford to go away really at any point of the spring and summer. Like right now, with a longer football season and the Winter Olympics, I can get by without spring training starting on time. But it's if this thing dips into baseball's usually occupied territory, that's territory that they can't afford to lose. So we're going to keep monitoring this, and right now the news is not good. All right, I want to transition 
Back to a story we talked a lot about yesterday. Yesterday, we talked a lot about the Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL and against multiple teams, right? There was allegations basically of game fixing from the Dolphins ownership group. There was also allegations of racist and improper hiring practices around the league. And yesterday, we talked about my ideas on how to fix the hiring gap in the NFL. And today, others are coming out with their plans as well. And earlier this morning on ESPN Radio, former NFL wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson said something that it really, it, it just made me sad. And before I play you the audio and before I react to it, I, I have to say this. I have to give this qualifier. I am not black. I don't know what it's like to be a black person. I don't know what it's like to be discriminated against. I have absolutely no idea. And every time that I talk about race, I generally get reminded of those facts. So I have to put those qualifiers out there. But we have to have these conversations. That is my job. Even though I am not black, I have to get educated just like everybody else does. We have to have these conversations. So I put the qualifiers out there. But when I hear Keyshawn Johnson, former NFL wide receiver, when I hear him say this, it just makes me sad. I believe there is a duty. Doesn't mean you have to, but there is a duty when you are a in a position of power and you are a, a minority, you are black, to take a look at qualified guys and make that happen. I just know that if it was me and I was in the situation and I was the general manager or the athletic director, I wouldn't be there just for to be a pawn, just to stand around as a token. We're not doing that. If I feel like this is the guy that I want to hire and I have a duty to make sure that I am going to change things in our environment, in our culture, and I believe that that black man is the guy that can do it, I'm going to hire him. That comment, 41 seconds, that comment makes me sad. And I'll tell you why. What Keyshawn is telling you is that if he were in power as a black person, he would feel, number one, obligated to look at black candidates, and then he would feel obligated to hire them if they are qualified. And the reason that that makes me upset is this. It shouldn't be that way. What Keyshawn is describing is essentially it is black people's job to take care of black people, when in reality, we should want to get to a point where we are all just humans taking care of humans. That should be the goal. The goal shouldn't be for black people to have to take care of black people. The goal shouldn't be for Hispanic people to have to take care of Hispanic people. The goal shouldn't be for white people to have to take care of white people. The goal should be for humans to be better and for humans to take care of humans. Everybody talks about wanting to hire the most qualified person. That's what we all want in hiring, right? Remove color from it. We all want to hire the most qualified person. Keyshawn is telling you that he would feel obligated to hire a black person. Maybe that black person is the most qualified and maybe they are not. But he would potentially leave other qualified candidates on the table. And that's not right. And I feel the exact same way if a white person said, I feel obligated to hire a white person. Well, you are also potentially leaving qualified candidates on the table. 
And that is not right. I can't speak for all of you out there. The Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line is open, 802-585-3026. The Facebook comment section is open as well on Facebook Live. I cannot speak for all of you. But I know this, that at 32 years old, I want to get away from a world where things feel separated. I want to, the, the buzzwords that are out there, diversity, inclusion, inclusivity, I want them to mean something, and I want them to be reality, and I want them to be attainable. I do not want to live in a world that is completely separated. And, and Keyshawn saying that black people have to take care of black people, that is a separation. Shouldn't white people be evolving enough to also take care of black people? Shouldn't black people be able to hire qualified white people? It shouldn't be an obligation of one race to take care of itself. We should be able to take care of each other as human beings. That That is what the goal should be. The goal should not be that we got to look out for, quote, our own. What is that? That's not moving towards inclusivity. That's not moving towards a world where everyone is connected. That seems to me to be moving to a world that's even more separated and even more divided. How about the best person for the job gets gets hired? And if that person is white, fine. If that person is black, great. If that person is Hispanic or Asian or a woman, then so be it. The best candidate should get the job. It should not be someone's got to look out and protect one's race's interests. That is not a world that we want. And if the, what we want or the way to fix this, I believe, is what we talked about yesterday. If we want to get to a point where the best candidates are hired regardless of race, we have to get to a point where there is a diverse group of candidates with a diverse group of skill sets. And if you bring in enough diversity to the conversation, then the goal is that the hiring across the board will start to reflect that. That is the goal. If you, I, again, I told you yesterday, it's not easy and it takes time and it takes money and it takes commitment. I, I don't know what it's like to be black. I'm fully aware of that. Maybe it is just me saying it's much easier than it really is, but this is why we're having the conversation. It's clear and apparent we do need more diversity, but the way to fix it is not the Keyshawn Johnson way. The way to do it is what we said yesterday, opening up more and more and more opportunities to all people and opening up a pipeline for all people at a young age. And if you open things up to more people and you make that opening up equitable, then eventually you will get to a point where you are starting to develop a huge pool of people who are interested in jobs, in this case, football. You will open up a huge group of people that are interested. A bunch of people will matriculate up the food chain and they will become qualified candidates in various positions. And if, as long as you have done your job at opening it up to everybody at a young age, eventually there's going to be qualified women, qualified white people, qualified black people, qualified Hispanic people, qualified Asian people, qualified European people. You are going to start to see that. And that is what we should want. I told you yesterday, and I mean this, if Brian Flores gets a job in this hiring cycle, that is great. He is a good coach. He deserves it. 
But that doesn't fix everything. If you want to truly fix things, you have to fix it from the ground up. And that is not the Keyshawn Johnson way. That is the way that I'm telling you where you put in a grassroots effort. You go into current locker rooms and get players who are on their way out and tell them that these opportunities are available to you. Can't, are you willing to take them? Coaching doors are open. Scouting doors are open. Front office doors are open. You want to work in the, on the salary cap? Well, here's an accounting program you can go into. Here's an internship where you shadow somebody who's already doing this job. If you want that, if you want diversity across the board, then flood us with, with candidates that are qualified. And the way you get to that point where you can flood us with those candidates in all races and all genders is you open up the doors and you break down the barriers at a young age. That is the only way that this gets fixed. It's, it's been the good old boys club for far too long. If you want to break that down, do it early. I was not joking yesterday when I said that college campuses should have majors related to coaching and or related to look I could see at USC at Texas at Ohio State at Michigan at Florida at Florida State at Arizona at UCLA there's a football coaches major where you can learn how to actually be an on-field coach there is a front office class where you can you know learn about things that go into being a general manager track track rather there are you know we see like in Vegas hotel management as a major maybe there are majors for being a uh, you know a food and beverage distributor at it for a pro team I the opportunities are endless but they have to start when people are young they have to start when people are young and that goes for gender minority or, or white people too we need young people to have access to the sport and access to all the things that the sport has to offer. And they all deserve an opportunity to learn this stuff young, get into it, get good at it, move up the food chain, and we will start to flood the market with good and qualified candidates. And those qualified candidates will come from all backgrounds. And then at that point, hopefully the hiring cycles will reflect what the job pool is giving them. I, I talked about this yesterday. When I was growing up, there weren't many black quarterbacks. There were some, and I won't try to name them because I don't want to do a disservice and have forgotten somebody, but there were some black quarterbacks. How did we get to the point now where almost a third of the league starts a black quarterback? And again, that's not perfect either, but it's better than when I was growing up. Well, more kids got into quarterbacking at a young age, and coaches accepted it and high school coaches accepted it and therefore those kids graduated and went to college and their coaches accepted it and those guys went to the pro and their went to the pros and their coaches accepted it it's not perfect but it's certainly better we need that effort at a young age and you will start to see women minorities and yes young white kids too that all move up and eventually the market is flooded with great candidates and then you hope that people will do the right thing, as we talked about at the beginning, and hire the most qualified people. But it is not. The way to fix this issue is not just saying, we've got to look out for ourselves. I can only imagine what it would be like to be black. I, I truthfully can only imagine that in my wildest dreams. I don't know 
what that sector of the population has gone through. But I do know that if we want an inclusive world, the answer is not just saying that everybody's segmented and has to do it on their own. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Texter on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterway text line says, Brady, thank you for your leadership on this discussion. Not easy. Well, I appreciate you listening. I don't know that I'm a leader. I'm, I'm not a leader on this discussion. I'm just a guy with a microphone who lives in the same world that all of you do. And I think we all want an equal playing field for everybody. And it's been an unequal playing field for a really long time. But the way to equalize it is not by just, you know, saying that we're going to do it ourselves and, you know, that's it. That that's, that's more separation, and I'm not for that. So, again, text line is open. Facebook is open as well. Uh, Frank says that, uh, yes, Brady, amen, the best candidate for the position regardless of race. Uh, we got Eric who says, Brady, you can no longer say you have a face for radio. I'm watching on Facebook Live, so... Uh, there you go. I appreciate everybody who is listening. You guys, yeah, let, let us know how you're feeling about this. It is different. It is new, but we are happy to uh, bring you the show in, in whatever form we can. Th- this is the goal, and I have believed this for a while. Ever since I got to WDEV, our goal is to be a media company. It is not to, quote, just be a radio station. The radio station is the most important wing of that radio company, no doubt. AM 550, FM 96.1, and all of our other translators around the state, that's numero uno. But being online, being on your app, being on Facebook Live, and having the podcast after the fact, we want to be where you are. That's our goal. We are here to serve you, and we want you to take in our content when and where you can. So appreciate everybody that is listening. Let me get to this as well. While we're on the on the heavy topics, let me just say this as my PSA. I hope that all of you out there will tune into the Olympics. The Olympics, the opening ceremonies are tomorrow. The competition, some of it, a limited number of it, has kicked off today and late last night. I have heard people say that they don't want to watch the Olympics because the Olympics are in China and because of all the human rights abuses that are allegedly going on in China. And I saw a tweet that the Olympics are only happening because of greed. To those people, I say that your passion is important. And I appreciate that you feel the way that you do and that you want to stand up for what is wrong. But much like the Stony Brook situation from the top of the show, It's not fair to punish the athletes. I saw people out there that didn't want the U.S. delegation to even go to the Olympics because we should have nothing to do with China. To those people, don't punish the athletes. I'm glad that we're at the Olympics. I'm glad that we're participating, and I hope that U.S. teams and players and athletes win gold in as many things as we possibly can. These athletes have trained their entire lives for this moment. They didn't ask for the games to be held in China. And they didn't ask to be pawns in a much bigger political game. They deserve our support because, again, they've trained their whole lives for this one shot. If you want to be mad at somebody in the Olympic thing, don't take it out 
on the athletes. Don't not watch them. If you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at the IOC, the International Olympic Committee. They had the power to move the games to a more upstanding place, and they didn't. Be mad at them. them. They're the ones at fault for allowing the games to take place in this environment. China is at fault for what is allegedly going on. The IOC is at fault for allowing the games to take place there. But the athletes, they deserve your support. So that's my PSA. Please watch them. Please support them. Please cheer for them. They didn't ask to have the Olympics in this spot and under these circumstances, under this political environment. They didn't ask for that. So don't boycott the Olympic Games in protest of what's happening in China. If you want to protest what's happening in China, protest what's happening in China. Donate to causes. Go visit there. Join a mission. Whatever you can do, you should do. All of that will mean more than boycotting your television set for the next two and a half weeks. These athletes deserve your support. They did not choose to be in this situation. So, um, okay, there you go. Now I'm off my that I'm off my uh, high horse there. So it is the Brady Farkas Show. It is WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Now back into the meat and potatoes of sports itself. Let's get to who's saying what. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say? Mac Jones. Good Lord. Mel Kuyper's got to slow down on this. Mac Jones ain't going to work, folks. It's not going to work. He's got to come to terms with it. It's not going to work. They really said that? Every damn thing is politics and race. And I'm losing my mind over it. It's time for Who's Saying What on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Who's Saying What is brought to you by Vermont Laser Wash. That is Central Vermont's home of unlimited car washes. It begins at just $20 a month. So if you want to join the club and get those free car washes, of which you're going to need one, I imagine, after this snow comes through. So, again, that's $20 a month. If you want just one singular car wash, well, my listeners just need to text the word Vermont to the number 30 and then 400. So 30 and then 400. Text the word Vermont for one free car wash. Former Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels has officially landed now with the Vegas Raiders as their head coach. And now, this week, he's been making the media rounds, right? So, I saw his press conference. He was on the Dan Patrick show yesterday. He was on Colin Cowherd yesterday on The Herd. So, he's pretty much everywhere right now. And yesterday, on The Herd, he talked about what he learned from his experience in Denver a decade ago. Remember, Josh McDaniels, more than a decade ago, got the job in Denver at a very young age. I think he was 32 years old. He was fired after a season and a half, and he talked about what he's learned since then. Uh, All the things that I did and didn't do, all the decisions that you make, all the processes you put in place, um, and and everything that you you can remember about your experience, and, and really tried to take time to compartmentalize uh, what what we did well, what we didn't do well, what I did well, what I didn't do well, uh, what relationships uh, were built the right way, what which ones weren't, and just try to take the time to self-assess and be critical of myself. And I have to give Josh McDaniels credit. Josh McDaniels is saying all the right things in these early media tours. I love when people talk about self-reflection. I love when people talk about looking inward and I think that it shows real personal growth and I do believe that Josh McDaniels in the last decade has become a better person 
better at cultivating relationships. And I believe that he's a better football coach just by virtue of all the knowledge he's gained and the experiences he's had in the last 10 plus years. My issue, my question, not even so much an issue, my question with Josh McDaniels has always been the same. I've wondered if he's a guy who can truly lead a locker room. And maybe I'm being unfair in my unwillingness to change that stance. And we'll see what happens this first year in Vegas. Maybe then I will. But for right now, I'm anchored to the ground on this one. When I look at Josh McDaniels, I see a coach who is undoubtedly a good teacher. He was good with Tom Brady. We know that. He appeared to be good with Cam Newton because everybody thought that Cam was shot and they still won seven games last year with Cam. And he was good with Mac Jones. They took a very complicated offense and Mac Jones won 10 games with it this year and got to the playoffs. I believe that Josh McDaniels is undoubtedly a good teacher. I believe that he is undoubtedly great at sitting down next to somebody and talking one-on-one with them. And I believe he's probably a guy who dominates the whiteboard in a small group setting. I think Josh McDaniels can do all of those things, but I am far less confident in his ability to lead a room full of 90 men in training camp, of 53 men in the locker room before a game on Sunday. And I'm far less confident in his ability to reach guys in that setting. Sitting down next to Derek Carr, going over, looking at the Microsoft Surface and talking about defenses, yes, I believe he can do that. Sitting with the quarterback room and drawing up things on the whiteboard and where he can ask and answer questions, I believe he's great there too. But can you rally the troops at halftime? Can you speak about the game plan confidently and relay it eloquently to 53 guys who don't play offense, who come all different? He's not talking to just the quarterbacks. That's always been my question. I believe that Josh McDaniels can develop one-on-one relationships. I believe he's a great teacher. The question is, is he a great leader? And I told you that this was going to be my tenant moving forward. I came to this conclusion a month ago, and this is going to be how I view things until something changes my mind. I believe that at the NFL level, to be a successful head coach, you need to be a great leader, more so than just a great X's and O's guy. Bill Belichick is undoubtedly a great X's and O's guy. I also believe he's a great leader. Pete Carroll is a great leader. Even though the Seahawks weren't great this year, that team played hard for him. Dan Campbell in Detroit appears to be a great leader. You have to have both. You have to be able to do both. My fear is that Josh McDaniels is a great X's and O's guy, and I don't know if he can lead. That's what I want to see. But the great ones, they can do both. Some guys are great leaders, and they don't know a lick about anything else, and they have a hard time. Some guys are great X's and O's, and they can't lead, and they have a hard time too. You need to be able to do both, but I do believe that being a leader is more important than the X's and O's. Josh McDaniels is a great teacher. Can he be a great leader? We'll find out over the course of the next several months and next season in Vegas. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I've seen a lot of opinions about what Tom Brady might do in retirement. I'll tell you 
what the one thing I don't want him to do is. That's next, right here on WDEV. 3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Going up until 7 o'clock, and then Jazz with George Thomas. Reminder, you can always get in. Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury, text line 802 uh, six five five. Here we go. There's the wrong number. <laughs> That's somebody's number. I don't want to be given out. I promise you that. I saw that number in front of me, and I don't want to be doing that. It's, oh man, eight oh two five eight five thirty twenty six. That's eight oh two five eight five thirty twenty six. Glad I didn't finish giving out the rest of that phone number. Otherwise, you'd be blowing up somebody that you don't want to be blowing up. But uh, we do get a couple more messages on Facebook Live. Thanks to everybody who's joining us there. It's our maiden voyage on Facebook Live. So we get Peter who says he's finally checking in. So thank you very much, Pete there. Long time no talk. We get Joe who says Josh McDaniels is a great offensive mind, but he's not a great leader. Bill Belichick helped him out a lot. So uh, again, you can get into the show in any number of ways. All right. I want to get to this because I heard this. This was interesting earlier uh, today, Marcus Spears, who's a former NFL player, is on ESPN now. He was talking about what Tom Brady's future might look like. Tom Brady may be in the GM conversation. Because if you think about how teams have been built around him and understanding what the need is for a quarterback, he understood that as well as anybody. I got to say, I really think that Tom Brady's days in football consistently are done. I don't think Tom Brady is going to be a general manager. I don't think that Tom Brady is going to be a coach. I think he is a football player, and I don't think that he wants to do other things in the game on a day-to-day basis. Part owner of a team someday, maybe that's possible down the line, okay? Maybe that's possible, but I don't think that he's going to be involved in a day-to-day position. He's already said he doesn't want to coach. He's also, part of the reason he's retiring is because of his family. He wants to be around them. His wife is demanding his time now. Tom Brady's not going to run off and do something else that takes up as much or more time than playing. Being a coach is even more demanding time-wise than being a player. So if Brady was in trouble from the wife about not being around enough as a player, she's certainly not going to want him going coaching. So he's not going to coach. He's not going to be a general manager. He's not going to do things that take away from his family. He's got a daughter who I believe is nine years old. That's almost a decade where she's still going to be around. He's not. If he's retiring to be with the family, he's not going to go and do things that compromise that family time. That's not going to happen. So I don't think that Tom Brady does anything in football ever again that is a consistent daily grind for him. Part owner of a team, maybe. But daily grind? No, I don't think so. And by the way, I don't know that Tom Brady would be a good coach. Now, Spears says he could be a great GM. I don't know about that. But I also don't know that he'd be a great coach. I see people saying, like, could he be the Patriots' offensive coordinator? Do you know how hard it is for the people who were the best ever at something to go and coach the commoners? The people who are just okay, the people who are just regular, the people who aren't as special as them. Michael Jordan well, it hasn't been a great owner in the NBA. 
Isaiah Thomas was not a great coach in the NBA. There are plenty of Magic Johnson. There are plenty of great players that aren't great coaches. Have you ever seen the episode of Seinfeld where George says something along the lines of like, it's like Pavarotti saying, let me, you know, or someone telling Pavarotti, teach me to play like you. It just can't be done. It just can't be done. I don't know that Tom Brady would make a very good coach. Nobody, he can't coach up anybody to be as good as he was. So things are always going to frustrate him as a coach. It's not, I, so I don't think that that's going to happen. Being a coach, being a, ma- a general manager, that's 24-7 dedication. And I don't think that he's got the time or the desire or his family has the desire for him to do that. The one thing I could see him doing, part owner is one. I guess the other thing I could see him doing, maybe this, is I could see him opening up TB12 facilities in various places and popping up and doing some training with people. Not coaching on a day-to-day basis. Not coaching on an NFL field, but getting a kid ready for the combine. Or you know, being a guy's off-season trainer for a week here or there, like in the way that guys go to throwing coaches. I could see him maybe doing that. Something that isn't a huge drain on his time and allows him to be stationary in one spot and not always on the move. So, part owner, way in the future, and some kind of trainer or consultant where people go and talk with him at TV 12 facilities. That's about it. I can tell you what I don't want Tom Brady to do, though. I don't know exactly what he is going to do. I have my opinion, as I just told you. I don't think he's going to coach. I don't think he's going to be a GM. I can tell you 100% unequivocally what I do not want Tom Brady to do, and that is ever have a high-level position with the New England Patriots. That's right. I do not want Tom Brady ever to work in a high-level capacity for the New England Patriots. 802-585-3026 on the text line and on Facebook Live. Do you want to see Tom Brady someday work for the Pats? Because I don't. I don't want him to ever be in a position where we as fans are calling for him to be fired. I do not. The risk is greater than the reward to me. I don't want Tom Brady to ever be in a position where the fans fully turn on him and see him as a bad guy. The last week, that's been tough. Tom Brady not acknowledging the fans in his retirement post. I told you on Tuesday when that happened, my anger is going to dispel on that one. We're all going to forgive each other for that here eventually. What can't be forgiven necessarily is if Tom Brady becomes a general manager and runs the team into the ground and the team goes 3-14 and 14 for four consecutive years. That can't be forgiven as easily. I don't want that to be the case. If Tom Brady becomes the head coach of the Patriots and they're going 5-12, and 12, I'm not interested in that being the case. Going home, going to a place that loves you that you played, that's a really romantic notion. And it's great until it's not. Jim Harbaugh, they wanted him fired at Michigan for multiple years. Jim Harbaugh was a Michigan man. Jim Harbaugh played at Michigan. He's a proud Michigan alum. People love him at Michigan. They wanted him fired for what he couldn't do, and that was beat Ohio State and win national championships. I don't want that to be Tom Brady. John Elway won two Super Bowls for the Denver Broncos. He's a Hall of Famer. He's on the the ownership team 
or he's on the uh, you know the the front office team in Denver. Denver fans have turned in a lot of cases on John Elway. I don't want that to be Tom Brady. This is the greatest player in your organization's history. I don't want to ever be in a position to call for his head. I want Tom Brady to be around the team. I want him to go into the Patriots. I want him to go to the Patriots Hall of Fame. I want him to pop up on Sunday at game day every now and then. I want him to, you know, appear on Patriots radio broadcasts on this station. I want him to be in the Patriots family. I do not want him to have a job in a high-level position with the Pats. Like I said, going home again is a really romantic notion. It doesn't always work. And I don't want to be the guy who has to go on the radio and call for Tom Brady to be fired as the Patriots head coach or fired as the Patriots general manager. And I don't think you as fans want that either. I'd rather Tom just be around the team and be in the family and show up at alumni events and come to games and appear on the radio broadcast. That's what I want. I don't want him to take a position with the team. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joe says, I agree with you 1 million percent. He should never work with the Pats. We also hear that he should just go out as a legend, not a guy like Joe Namath. So there you go. I don't remember how Joe Namath went out with the Jets, but Joe, you know, Joe's made the rounds here, and it hasn't always been pretty in the last couple of years. So uh, a couple other messages here on the WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Pat from Ticonderoga says, Brady, when you talk about the Olympics, the crimes are real and well-documented. You're way off. Shame on you. I said allegedly the things that are happening in China. I have read plenty of things that we know are happening in China. I do not know everything that is happening in China. So that is why I use the word alleged. There are plenty of things with the, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, the um, the Uyghurs. Someone can correct me on phonetically on how to say that, but that region of China, it's very clear as to what's going on in China is wrong. I don't know everything, so I said allegedly is a blanket statement. Despite what's happening in China, the athletes should still be allowed to compete, Pat, and they should they should not be roped into the middle of this political game or this battle for world power, and they shouldn't have their dreams taken away over a political argument or what is being turned into a political argument, at least on some sides. That shouldn't happen. And I believe that fans back here at home should support those athletes. They don't have to support China. They don't have to support what's going on there, of course. But not watching the Olympics is not the right way to go about it. So not shame on me, Pat. I only said allegedly because of somewhere in there, there's a blanket statement that I don't know what's true. But I do know that there's plenty of negative things going on that is well-documented. So there you go. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. When we come back, UVM men's basketball rolls. They win by 23 last night at Patrick Gym. We'll get to a couple of our takeaways from what was a really special night for Aaron Deloney. And I got an interesting tweet on something I said yesterday about UVM. I want to bring that to the table as well. That's next on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. 
Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Text line open. We've also got Facebook Live. Shout out to all of you watching on Facebook Live today. First day that we're doing this. We kind of tested it out a little bit on Tuesday. Ironed out the kinks yesterday. Steven, the digital guy, and our tech guy has done a great job. And this is going to be a regular thing moving forward. So I'm super pumped about it and pumped to bring in more of you into the conversation. So we'll uh, we'll do this every single day. And yeah, our Super Bowl Radio Row at Home coverage kicks off next Monday. And uh, it's going to be the biggest week of guests we've ever had. That is for sure. We've already booked, I'm trying to think, I don't know, 12 interviews or so that we're going to have next week at least. And there's more still to come. So we are uh, we're working on it and we are looking forward to it. UVM men's basketball rolled NJIT yesterday, 90 to 67. They're now 17 and four overall, nine and zero inside America East play. Let's get to a few things on this one and discuss a little bit of what we saw yesterday. This was the Aaron Deloney show. This was incredible last night. Aaron Deloney had 23 points in the first half. He had 24 points for the game, 23 for the half. It's his career high. He got it all in 17 minutes of play. He was 8 of 8 from the floor. He was 4 of 4 from 3. He was perfect. Zula. Into the corner. Deloney transition 3. Count it. I mean, the only shot that Aaron Deloney missed was one free throw. He was perfect from the floor, perfect from 3, and 1 for 2 at the line. It was an incredible performance. And I'm happy for Aaron Deloney because he's a guy that we heard a lot about when he came in from Oregon, right? He came all the way across the country. It was a big score that came in from Oregon, and he really didn't play much, especially score much, his first two years. But I just love stories of guys who battle, who persevere, and who come into their own. And here he is now in his third year, and he is a spark plug off that bench. He doesn't always go for 23, but he's got the ability to, and he's a guy who can bring that energy. And he talked about that specifically after the game. I think everybody, uh, just like you said, uh, me and Robin talk, you know, before every game, before we check in together, uh, that we got to change the pace of the game. So with our speed, our scoring ability, our passing ability, both as guards, we try to really get in there and push the pace and get easy transition buckets and look for each other. And maybe next year we're talking about Deloney as kind of next year's version of Isaiah Powell, a guy who just gets better and better as he goes. And we're so used to now being an instant gratification society. We expect people to be great right away. And that's not natural for everybody. That's not normal for everybody. I mean, Powell is just coming into his own now here as a senior. Deloney is starting to have really big moments as a junior. And next year, I'd have to think that he can be a guy who really, really levels off and becomes really, really stable for this team. And it's not so much high and low as it is just steady across the board. And Ben Shungu is going to leave in graduation. And Robin Duncan, I believe, is going to leave too. So Deloney is going to be necessary and needed and counted on next year. And I can't wait to see him because last night was awesome. And he's got that ability. Again, you're not going to go 8 for 8 from the floor and 4 for 4 from 3 every night. But just to see a guy have that kind of night, that was really, really cool. The other thing that's really, really cool is that in addition to Deloney, the bench was great. UVM's bench scored 51 points last night. The depth just keeps showing up. And while you're not always going to be able to get that kind of numbers from your bench, 
just to be able to have the ability to turn to multiple people and be confident in them, that that's huge. Because when you get into a conference tournament final and when you get into an NCAA tournament game and they're keying on Ben Shungu and they make life more difficult for Ryan Davis, who are you going to turn to? And if UVM has three or four people on their bench that they can go to that can play and that can get a bucket, that goes a long way towards trying to win a conference title and towards trying to win an NCAA tournament game. I love that. I love the group. This team is very likable. They're, they're fun. They're experienced. They're focused. They've got some, you know, they've got a little bit of style and flair to them. They can get up and down the floor. They can get really hot from the outside. And they just are good guys. And this team, I'm excited for this team. A team I was down on at the end of November, I'm very, very high on here as we hit the beginning of February. The one thing that we need to address, the one negative right now, is what's happened to Finn Sullivan. What has happened to Finn Sullivan? We heard so much about him in January at the beginning of conference play. Remember the transfer comes in from San Diego, and he's carrying this team. He had one game where I think he was 6-for-6 six six from 3, and he went for 20 in another game. Last four games, he's been almost a ghost, I believe. Eight points against Stony Brook on the road. Five against, uh, five against Maine at home. Zero against Albany, and three last night. They're going to need more from him. He's a guy who has the ability to carry you on any given night. I don't need him to score 21 a night, but he can't be putting up zeros. Last night it was great that that depth came up, that Deloney was there, but they're going to need Finn Sullivan to score two. 10 points here, 7 points there, 14 one night. They're going to need him. He's a good player who's who's got the offensive ability to get to the bucket and shoot it from deep. But he's fallen off here in the last two weeks. They need to get him back. They're winning. They've won a lot of games big. And last night, Deloney was the guy to step up. They need Finn Sullivan, who's in their starting lineup, to be a consistent threat as well. I did have a really interesting text on the dynamics that the UVM crowd I want to save that for tomorrow when we can really do that topic justice because we talked a little bit about it yesterday, and I want to talk about it again tomorrow in full. Tomorrow we've got a shorter show. We've got uh, Norwich Hockey coming on against Babson. Coverage begins at 6.35. Tomorrow we've got a really fun interview. Ken Rogers is with us. He's the, a director of the new 30 for 30 that's coming out on Sunday night. It's called the Tuck Rule. You might remember this play, Tom Brady. The Raiders, 2000 and. Two, the 20-year anniversary of the tuck rule is this season. Well, the director of the new 30 for 30, Ken Rogers, will be with us tomorrow at 545. So thanks to the text line, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury. Thank you to the Facebook Live crew. We'll do it again tomorrow. The show is brought to you by Pro Driver Training, Vermont's premier truck driver training school, online at ProDriverCDL.com. George Thomas, Jazz with George Thomas. That's coming up next right here on WDEV. AM and FM, WDEVradio.com, and always streaming on the free WDEV radio app.